Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I am joined with President Mike Hammond, who is the president of Gordon College. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome back everyone to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with the president of Gordon College, Mike Hammond. Gordon College is a small liberal arts college um, in the North Shore of Boston. Some of you may be familiar with Gordon Conwell, um, which is separate, uh, though not too far, about five minutes away, and share a similar founder, AJ Gordon. But President Mike uh, comes to Gordon, um, just recently, after spending some time in, in Arkansas, in Florida, in Indiana, um, has bounced, certainly bounced around in Christian higher education. In our conversation, we discuss the landscape of higher education and then more specifically Christian higher education and um, some of the changes or challenges and opportunities as we think about um, the the coming landscape, coming generation uh, of students as well. We look into discipleship, formation, the role it plays in education, um, and also how it impacts your local context, perhaps not in a higher education, but in high schools, in middle schools, at home, in your church, and, and so on and so forth. Um, really a, a parachurch ministry, so to speak, um, but certainly play a, an impactful role in the holistic learning um, uh, of education, the arts, sciences, business, and so on. So we talk about church history, we talk about um, a little bit of curriculum, but really you know, how we think about vocation, how we're being trained for living in, in the world we live in today, living in New England, living in the South, overseas, wherever. Without further ado, here's my conversation with President Mike. Without further ado, Mike, thanks so much for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast. Yeah, thanks, Tyler. It's good to be with you and have a good conversation. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm actually, a lot of the recordings we do are via Zoom. Um, we have guests from across the country, but this is right here in Massachusetts, so we're, we're live as well, and That's it's right. a beautiful day today. I um, was on campus, had the opportunity to go to chapel, and mm-hmm. um, was a great kind of kickoff to the, to the, to the year as well, so... Um, just would love to kind of orient our listeners and audience first, just to hear a little bit more about your background. I know you've been in higher education for a couple of decades now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's probably been a, been quite formational in you and how you're kind of, yeah, being shaped, but wanted to know what life was like when you were a child and kind of a little bit more of the backstory. Sure. Sure. Yeah. We are live from Frost Hall, historic Frost Hall, uh, on the campus of Gordon College. This is one of those... New England, kind of late summer, early fall days where you look outside at this little this little campus and it's just, it's the perfect scene. You know, you think this is what, you know, colleges are supposed to be, this sort of, you know, uh, natural setting where you just mm-hmm. uh, learn and take it in. And um, so it's a great, great day and we've had a great week kicking off the school year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've, this is my 27th a year mm-hmm. working in higher ed and um it, and it's been a wonderful calling and, mm-hmm. and just very very uh rewarding um i often tell students that um i kind of got started in this when my wife and i were 
kind of plotting out when we might get engaged. You know, we were, mm-hmm. we were making plans for that. And we both just shared this sense of an excitement and a calling around working with college students. And, and we had this dream where it was that uh, I would be a professor mm-hmm. and, and Jen's dream, my wife Jennifer, was to have a home near campus where we could host students and mm-hmm. we could just build relationships with students. And um, it didn't cross our minds to do it the way we're doing it now, but that's really what we're doing. I mean, right. it's really kind of great to think right. that um, we're, we've kind of fulfilled that that calling and uh, the Lord's surprised us and taken us a lot of different directions along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But if you would have told me when I was an undergrad that I would you know, go to grad school even, uh, mm-hmm. get a doctorate, teach as a professor, and then work in administration, I, I probably would have not believed it at all. Mm-hmm. I can think back to a conversation I had with my academic advisor where he was really trying to talk me into... Uh, taking some courses that would prepare me for either seminary or graduate school. My, my undergrad degree was Christian Ministries. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I can picture myself in his office just chuckling and flat out laughing yeah. and saying, there's no way I'm going to graduate school. Like, that's just not on the on the table. And um, sure enough, the right. Lord really right. got a hold of me a few years later. And, and I just thought, wow, that's, you know, for, for me, higher ed was the way to kind of pair together these two passions I had coming mm-hmm. out of college. Uh, one was to, to, to kind of think about difficult topics or questions, you know, do research into the big ideas, the big mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. of life and, and of culture. Mm-hmm. And then the other was to, to have um, a discipleship ministry. And so immediately out of college, I went and worked in politics because mm-hmm. it was that former uh, desire that was really drawing me in to, to be engaged in the culture, to be right. engaged with difficult questions. Mm-hmm. But um, I found working on Capitol Hill, uh, you know, looking out my window at the Capitol Dome, I thought, this is it, here I am. And I missed that discipleship piece. So it was hmm. kind of, you know, how do you pair the two together? And through some reading and working with some close friends and some good conversations and some prayer and really asking the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, what do you have for me? The idea of going back to, to school and working in that, that setting where you're always engaging with ideas and teaching and research, but you're, especially in a Christian liberal arts context, you've got this discipleship outlet. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as far as you know, my yeah. my background before that, I grew up in Indiana in the Midwest, um, yeah. where my wife and I met when we were in high school. Um, a typical church family, a typical church family testimony, where. You know, I, I um, came to the Lord at a young age, mm-hmm. was always involved in youth ministry and youth group and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but really, over time, just became more and more aware of the need to dig deeper into um, uh, pursuing God and my faith, uh, and, and especially even studying theology as a graduate student, um, mm-hmm. just kind of reoriented my perception of, you know, how I relate to God, my, my need mm-hmm. for... Um, from a theological standpoint, my, mm-hmm. my need for sanctification, my need for um, daily renewal, um, and uh, and that it's just a big part of, of my story is mm-hmm. understanding that and coming to that place. And mm-hmm. I think of all the, the people in my life, my wife first and foremost, family, uh, who've just been means of grace uh, mm-hmm. that, that God's used to <clears throat> form and shape me uh, in, in, in difficult ways, going through hard times, but going mm-hmm. through hard times with people who were there to pray and support mm-hmm. and, um, and sometimes kick me a little bit. So yeah. I'm thankful yeah. for all that. Yeah. Well, I, I love, I, um, I didn't have this experience, but I know many who have had the, 
this formative high school, college, kind of these these real important years for a lot of change, you know, and spiritually, emotionally, cognitively, and to be in an atmosphere where you're you are challenged and encouraged, but also in a good place to do it. And and the spiritual component is there as well. Is um, yeah, it's very unique, and I think it creates a an, a good place where you're you're wrestling with some of the some very challenging questions or understanding about who you are, how you relate to God, as you mentioned and named. And so I'd love to get into that. But I think you know on the on the kind of formational side. But first, just higher education wise, um, this is a discipleship platform, but there's just this learning really spirit I try and I bring out as well. And I know a lot of stu- folks listening are students or potentially later in life or our parents who are they're, they're sending their kids off to school as well. Um, and there's a lot of challenges that students are facing today and um, in bigger scale, but then also within a Christian context as well. So going into you know, Christian colleges and universities um, are facing different challenges perhaps than they, they were in years past. Um, so just want to know a little bit about what some of those are first, and then we can move forward. Yeah, when I think of our <clears throat> the challenges that are facing higher ed, it, I mean, there's always this balance. There always has been, even in Christian liberal arts settings like Gordon, there's always been this balance between just sort of a, a purely economic output. In other words, uh, students who come to college full-time, which is most of our students, mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. graduate students who are more part-time sure. or online, but our undergraduate students are mostly residential, traditional, you know, the way that colleges did it 100 years ago, we're still kind of doing it the, mm-hmm. the same way. Now what they do in the classroom, the way they learn, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but that basic premise is that you essentially are taking people out of the workforce, if you think of it in pure economic terms, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for four years, and it's a worthwhile investment for, for the economic output that they get this training and job preparation. But of course, at a liberal arts college, we would say we're doing something much deeper. We're, we're, we're cultivating good habits, ways of knowing, um, good, good questions about curiosity, the way to use skepticism in a productive manner mm-hmm. as a member of a culture and society. Mm-hmm. And of course, in a Christian context, then we add this sense of, of, of vocational calling and believing that God has equipped and gifted and called people to do particular things. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's not just about job placement. And it's not just about musing around ideas. There's a, mm. there's a forging together of those things. And, and we don't just muse around ideas so that we can have our own opinions, but we root those opinions in a biblical foundation, in, a, in, a, in a, the traditions of the church and the mm. best ways of thinking and around these questions, which most of the questions we ask today, turns out they've been asked before. <laughs> they've been asked sure. for centuries. Sure. Right. And that's the great thing about learning. Mm-hmm. So the challenges we face right now is there's a, a commodification of, of higher ed everywhere mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. That, uh, that some of us do the economy, the stresses of the pandemic, but it's really been you know this way, kind of trending this way for the last decade or more uh, that, that essentially people are saying, you know, parents and prospective students, for instance, well, if I come to your college and I invest this much mm-hmm. money, how much money will I earn? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's almost as if there's a desire for an assurance mm-hmm. of, of what that output will look like. And, and honestly, we, we do that here at Gordon, just like everywhere else. We talk about our placement rate, which is you know, 95, 96% of our students within six months have a job or they're in graduate school. Mm-hmm. And we, we track how many of them find jobs in the major that they studied for. 
and we track their first year income. Um, but there is kind of a, there's an emptiness to that. I mean, honestly, if, if you choose a college based on what your, your income will be your first year out, that's a five-year plan. Right. I mean, that's just right. thinking, what are, where am I going to be in five years? Mm -hmm. and, and what we try to do here at Gordon is to think about each person individually, that when they come here, they'll be known, they'll be mentored, they'll be cared for by others on campus, their professors, staff members, because we, we want to cultivate a sense of ownership of our society and our culture, right. a sense of leadership, a sense of giving back. And, and uh, I often quote the, the historian William Cronin, mm -hmm. uh, who's written about liberal arts. And, and he, he talks about the great outputs of, the, of a liberal arts uh, education, uh, that you can think well about hard questions, that you can write and articulate ideas freely, that you engage in conversation with others. Uh, but but he, he mentions that there's really two elements of this that we miss sometimes. The first is that it's really not just something you acquire and then stop. Mm -hmm. And if you're really committed to that level of learning, it creates a spark in you that grows into a flame and mm -hmm. you don't give up on learning. It's mm -hmm. a lifelong pursuit, mm -hmm. not out of compulsion, but just out of your own desire. Mm -hmm. And then the second element is that it's really not for you as the student. It's really so that you can be better equipped and prepared to give back to those around you. And Cronin writes not from a Christian perspective or a Christian worldview, mm. but just gets that idea that true learning, true transformational learning is, is not just going to change the individual, but it will spread to, mm. to those around. And, and definitely, as we add a biblical worldview to that, mm -hmm. there's a real mission mm -hmm. built around that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that kind of yeah, leads into the follow-up question, but I know the last few years, um, you started off by kind of coming from an economic perspective, and certainly that's been that's been kind of the thrust of questioning going into for you know prospective students. It, you know, is it worth going online? Is it worth being bivocational and working full time and having that um, school something part time? And so, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting how this the, the American college experience. I think is a real. It's been a formational platform for for quite some time. Um, but I do know, you know, colleges are shifting. And so I'm just kind of curious, at least from Gordon, I know you've worked at different schools, but anecdotally, Gordon Conwell, the seminary, which has some roots as well from AJ Gordon down the street is getting leaner, focusing on their core curriculum, um, divesting in a lot of their potential assets. They came out recently with where we'd like to, you know, shut down actually our Hamilton campus and, re and decentralize within Boston. Whereas I went to Stonehill, we were just talking before and their historic Catholic liberal arts curriculum. Now they're repositioning themselves as a regional university. Um, and so offering more master's programs, you know, building up, they just built up the business program, academic, you know, sports facilities, et cetera. And so it seems like there's different kind of ways that the people are responding and so I'm just curious kind of what the, you know, we talk about the five-year vision, but maybe just in general, the vision of Gordon and where, you know, what, where folks can expect, um, yeah, Gordon to, to be positioned and why, you know, why, why so? Yeah, <clears throat> so I think there's not really room for a, a traditional undergraduate school like Gordon to not be thinking about innovation. Uh, in other words, it, there's there's kind of this, it, you've alluded to this, that there's this sort of fork in the road right now where a lot of um, young people and families are, are saying, you're either going to do a traditional 
model of education, four-year residential liberal arts or four-year uh, residential education, or you're mm-hmm. going to do something non-traditional like uh, bivocational, you're going to work full-time and go to school at night, or you're going to do your courses online. And, and, and again, that, that choice that, that saying you're either going to go one pathway or the other, it, it may appeal to some people. In, in other words, it makes you feel, on the one hand, that if you do this, this more pure, let's call it, residential program mm-hmm. that there's something elite about that. Or if you do this more streamlined online type of education, you've managed your finances better. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that for schools like Gordon, we're trying to, to, to create ways that um, students, regardless of what their goals are, that they'll be serviced well by the, the mm-hmm. academic program we have mm-hmm. here and the experience on campus. So mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. a mistake that we, we use the term incarnational when we talk about our educational model here at Gordon. Mm-hmm. And, and even in the sense of a, a theological understanding of that term, that, that, that the incarnation of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ to come in the flesh, to dwell among us here on the earth, was significant to his ministry. Because presence matters, proximity matters. Mm-hmm. Our ability to have conversations uh, around a, an actual table made of actual wood with human beings around the table face to face is something that really does matter. Uh, and, and we've seen this again mm-hmm. and again. I mean, there's a reason why, mm-hmm. uh, if you think about the art of diplomacy, you know, as long as diplomacy has been around and it's been around forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, people often would, would send missives back and forth by messenger. They would send letters back and forth, telegrams, emails, to try to navigate and negotiate things. Mm-hmm. But typically when when the stakes were high and it was important to settle something, they moved to a, a, the same spot to meet face-to-face under great security, under heavy guard, but uh, to, to navigate those difficult questions, whether it's a peace treaty or a negotiation. Mm-hmm. Uh, face-to-face matters. And, and what, what we're, we're thinking about here at Gordon, you know, we, we've done what every uh, college worth its salt mm-hmm. has done in the last few years under the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We've offered every possible way for our mm-hmm. students to continue to persist uh, in pursuit of their degree. Mm-hmm. Online, hybrid, high flex, all these different mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that um, as we, we enter into a, a new era post-pandemic for higher education, uh, online and easily accessible education will start to become more common. Uh, it will be rare to have someone who has not only done those classes in person, but has actually lived in a community where uh, th- their development hasn't just been the curriculum that you achieve to reach a credential, but they've actually practiced service and leadership and practiced relationships and those conversations that sometimes are difficult around an actual table face-to-face with their peers and their professors and others uh, on the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that part of our community here, uh, you know, we, we call ourselves a college, but we're, we really like to use the term learning community because mm-hmm. um, our rootedness, that, that, that the curriculum matters, but it has to be rooted in this incarnational model, that rooted in yeah. this face-to-face routine of practicing rituals of worship right. and play right. and sports and music and theater and art we celebrate that right. here and and I, I really do believe that when students come out of Gordon uh, you know when I talk to alumni about their experiences here mm-hmm. they they talk about the classes and they talk about you know what they learned mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. oftentimes what what really made those lessons 
fit for life was what happened outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. It was the conversations mm -hmm. they had uh, with their uh, you know, roommates late at night, with others on campus, with professors outside of class. And so that that's invaluable. Right. And, right. And, and, and we've actually, so all that to say, we recognize the value and the virtues of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, be leaving some things out if I didn't also mention that Gordon's done this massive price reset. <laughs> right. So we do understand right. cost right. matters. We right. do understand right. uh, that, that, you know, we don't want students graduating with a heavy loan debt. We want to make it manageable. And so we cut our tuition by uh, a third uh, just a year ago, and we're continuing to hold the yeah. line there. Yeah. Because honestly, the pricing and discounting game is just not serving families well. So mm -hmm. we're trying to, mm -hmm. to reduce mm -hmm. that a bit. Mm -hmm. So a lot okay. of thoughts there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you're in this every day, so I know you have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of thoughts. It is Friday afternoon, so if you get, if you get a little tired, I understand too. Mm -hmm. um, no, I, I, and, and you know, my, my wife went here and we met um, at an alumni event actually in Worcester and so just outside of the city. And it was a kind of a small cohort of folks that live in that area and um, one of the big findings and apparently it's been throughout your tour has been consistent is the staff and the value of staff in this holistic learning environment and engagement um, and yeah I think you know a lot of folks credit it to their willingness to step and help people formationally not just to get to an kind of an academic end but that there is this other there's something way bigger that we are being shaped and formed into. But I think really the question is, is, is about the discipleship and the formation that's happening into the person of Jesus here on campus that, um, yeah, I, you can sense it. You can really feel God's presence here. And I think that's, that's special. And it means that there's, you're in, you know, and I think in alignment with what, what the, what the vision of the, of the space is, but can you talk a little bit more perhaps to the staff and, and their, you know, and because as I'm thinking here for our audience, just the role of mentorship and teaching and for families who are raising their, their you know, it starts in the household. And so how, how this maybe all connects to our, within our churches and in our households as well in terms of, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. It, I mean, the, the, the faculty and staff who serve here are, are pivotal to our mission. Uh, so I often have, have said, just even in the, the short time I've been here, uh, one of my first prayers for Gordon that I pray all the time is that every student who comes to Gordon College will leave here deeper in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And for that to happen, uh, we have to have everybody, I can't do that just alone. I can't do that mm -hmm, myself. Mm -hmm. We have to have people who are committed to that same sense of mission and purpose. And, and the great news is that we have so many people around campus and not just in faculty teaching roles mm -hmm. yes, and not just right. in the sort of student life roles, but people who work here at every level of the college who are um, mentoring students, who are meeting with students, praying with them, helping to bear their burdens, um, meeting with them about serious conversations about life or just having you know, fellowship with them, uh, attending sporting events, attending music events with them. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's this rich sense of community that, that emerges around here. And, and it's, um, I, you know, I think we've learned under the pandemic, you can't just take it for granted. Like any positive element of life, you have to cultivate it. You have to build in routines and rituals that'll mm -hmm. help it to grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so sometimes, you know, when, when people say, well, what makes Gordon a Christian college? We could talk mm -hmm. about our mission, our statement of faith, uh, we could talk about chapel services, but it's so much richer and deeper than that because it really has to do with people who come here to serve 
uh, who, who feel called to serve that mission. And, and when I talk to faculty and staff about what really fires them up about being here, what keeps mm-hmm. them here year after year, they always start by talking about the students. And they'll talk about specific students who, mm-hmm. you know, they, they met 10 years ago when they were here as students and they've seen them grow and they start a family. And then some people are long enough to see them come back and bring their kids here to Gordon. And it's just that sense of continuity and relationship that um, you, you know, ultimately reflects the church at its best. Mm-hmm. We're not a church, we're a college, but mm-hmm. as a place mm-hmm. that's built around discipleship, mm-hmm. we're sort of a subset of, of a, you know, a parachurch ministry mm-hmm. in, in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, you know, it's caught, we have to be cautious the way we think about that because um, you know, there's, there's some ways historically where um, you know, some colleges became so much enamored with the sort of Bible college approach that they you know, weren't really tending to the academic side of the house the way they should. Mm-hmm. And so we don't see it as a zero-sum game where you can either be about discipleship or you can be about academic integrity. Mm-hmm. When you do it well, they feed into each other. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. emphasis on discipleship, on cultivating hearts and minds together, builds in uh, a responsibility around our scholarship mm-hmm. that, that, mm-hmm. We, uh, that we don't have to apologize for one or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really important. And yeah, I know previously you were at Southeastern, which is a more Pentecostal-leaning mm-hmm. background where yeah. I, I come from. And then we have more kind of a Reformed, non-denominational uh, experience ethos here. Yeah. And then we're at Taylor, and so you bounce around some different different atmospheres. But I think that kind of begs the question of there's a lot of graduates that are coming out who are being trained in other vocations and are now engaging publicly. And that was in, just in chapel we're talking about kind of vocation and the considering the formational aspects here of vocation academic standards as well um and so just kind of yeah wanted wanted to know what especially in post-christian society in new england here and growing in in the country i think a lot of people a lot of questions i have or a lot a lot of folks come come to me or others and say i'm trying to figure out how to engage my faith in the workplace Mm -hmm. and i don't know how to do it responsibly where i don't (laughs) come across as insensitive or perhaps even obtrusive but i'm also not hiding or ashamed um, of the faith of my faith in christ and so what are some ways that you're thinking about this is i know it's certainly growing in popularity a lot of churches are our church is doing a, a, a training on workplace you know vocation and thinking about for a lot of folks who are in the workplace how do we think about our faith and god's bigger story and picture of your your part in there um and so forth yeah, there's there are definitely some challenges uh, to that that are age old or universal, let's say. But there's probably a, a lot of ways that um, those challenges on living out your faith in a public environment, workplace, some ways that it looks different today than it would have a generation ago, for sure. Um, you know, the, the, this wonderful concept that comes out of Second Corinthians about being the aroma of Christ comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that that um, you know, as we as we live out our calling. As believers in Jesus, um, it's not always about proclamation, and it's not always about confrontation. It's oftentimes about the way that we're loving our neighbor, as Jesus said. You know, the the greatest commandment that to love uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, and the second, just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. That was that was a puzzle when Jesus said that. The Pharisees mm-hmm. and Sadducees didn't quite understand it, mm-hmm. and maybe we still don't understand it today. I mean, maybe we. 
we think, right, 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 love my neighbor, you know, uh, what's that look like? Um, it's more difficult if your neighbor is hostile toward your belief in Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's more difficult if, if it's not just this sort of postmodern idea that, well, you have your way and I have mine, mm -hmm. we'll just kind of live mm -hmm. and let live. Mm. Um, you, you talked about the term post-Christian, and, and mm. in many ways, you know, New England reflects a lot of what's been happening in Europe for the last, you know, half century or mm -hmm. more, mm -hmm. and and so we're we're uh, in a different environment here than say the South or the Midwest, where uh, to go to church on a Sunday morning even is more of an expectation than uh, an, an aberration. Mm. And I think in New England, I was told and warned that um, even going to church or even you know, proclaiming yourself as a, a believer in Jesus, let alone using the word evangelical, which brings all kinds of baggage. Sure, sure. Um, but even to, to talk about being a Christian could, could lead to some really difficult moments. Um, it's easier to, to say you were raised a Christian or you have a sort of Christian uh, family heritage because then it's more about your ethnicity than it is about your right, actual right, beliefs. Right, right, right. Um, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, I, I was told when I moved up here that Probably the you know the data would suggest that maybe three or four percent of New England are are evangelical Christians, mm -hmm. and that may be true. But if it is, I think I've met them all at this point because there's so many <laughs> strong, vibrant churches out here, and 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 oftentimes you know they're they're if you were counting by numbers, you'd say well there's a hundred people in that church, but they're committed, and even during the pandemic they stayed connected. They stayed connected through small groups are supporting each other. Uh, there is this element of, of the culture war in New England, for sure. Uh, and I think, I think you know, what, what I want us to model here at Gordon is that um, the, the culture war is out there. Uh, as, as Christians, we don't have to start the culture war. It's already underway. Hmm. And, and there'll be times when we might be called to defend a certain belief or defend a certain principle. But um, we don't have to go out and start punching people in the mouth. I mean, that's not what we're called to do. Um, so so in, a, in a very matter-of-fact way, to represent the gospel, to be endearing to people in, in that sense of, of filling out the idea of being the aroma of Christ, uh, to draw people in, to have those conversations about who we are and, and what we believe, those are principles we want to, to try to model. Mm -hmm. And at the mean, in the meantime, uh, even as an institution, what does it look like for Gordon College to be a good neighbor? Mm -hmm. uh, in Cape Ann, in the North Shore, uh, mm -hmm. in greater Boston? What does it mean for us to love those around us mm -hmm. who might disagree with us or may, maybe even agitate against us? Mm -hmm. How do we live out uh, that, that call while we're also, yes, at times defending our beliefs and defending our rights to have those beliefs? So it's an interesting balancing act that Gordon has been, uh, has been under for some time now, but, um, but it's a good place to be because we, we, we're not going to you know, fall into the the habit of just looking at this as only a, a culture war or only combat. Um, and at the same time, um, we're not going to uh, avoid the opportunity to defend what it is that we truly believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one thing was came to mind, and um, I, I don't fully know the name, but I think it's this, uh, you, you have it here practically, and there's like, a, it happens every year, and I think it's like something, it's Athens, but there's like a debate that happens on campus uh, yeah. around a central question, contemporary yeah. cultural yeah. question, and, you know, come at it through theological, historical, philosophical perspectives. And um, just thought that was a really cool way of engaging dialogue and wrestling with these, um, you know, these bigger questions as well. And so 
um, yeah, I, just just to kind of echo and yeah, there is a there is it. It's here, and, and we're called to engage engage with it faithfully and lovingly. Um, yeah. yeah, that's the Jerusalem Athens Forum. That's so right. It, it's drawn from the great question Tertullian posed: what What has Athens to do with Jerusalem? And it's sort of like saying, "What is the world to do with faith, or what is faith to do with the right. world?" And uh, and so that's a yeah, that's a an, one of our honors programs, right. and the students do a great job. Yeah. Faculty do a great, do a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know you have a background in history and, and church history, and I, I do kind of like this one example of kind of a, an ancient practice that is coming back, at least educationally, as we kind of look at the early church, medieval, Reformation era, and beyond. What are, you know, some, some perhaps some, pra- some learning practices or models that we could reconsider or maybe investigate a little bit more as we consider um, higher education and education at large? Um, in the 21st century and beyond. Yeah, so so I think as a as a historian, there there are definitely ways that um, even your your prior question about sort of engaging a post Christian culture, uh, when you look at the history of the Christian Church through the ages, that's always been a present question. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not mm-hmm. a new question for us, but it looks a little different. Um, you, you know, certainly you know, Christendom, the, the era of Christendom changed some of that. And we, we can learn things from looking at that. We can look, look at the Crusades and learn some things mm-hmm. that we would do differently. We can look at the uh, Reformation era and the different, literally the wars, province by province, mm-hmm. as, as the different Protestant movements spread in, in different provinces, according to the ruler over them, chose to become either Lutheran or uh, or they were following someone else and, sure. and they went to war. They literally had yeah. wars mm-hmm. over it for decades. And then you think about all the different wars over time that were fought with a religious undertone. And um, and in some ways we would say, okay, today it's different. We're not, we're not actually fighting real wars over that, um, at least not within the United States. Mm. Um, but at the same time, we can learn a lot from, from going back to those examples. And even even in the United States, I mean, we are here. I often mention to students when we talk about revivalism and, and revival, even on our campus, mm. and people say, well, it's New England. And I point, <laughs> just north of our campus, there's this great wooded area on the side of this yeah, wonderful yeah, yeah. pine. I say, you know, George Whitfield preached in those woods. Right, you know, when right. we talk about revival, we are right here in the backyard of where the first great awakening took place. And when people say, well, it can't happen in New England, I think, go read a little Jonathan Edwards. You know, yeah, think yeah. about the great heritage we have here. Sure. And even the, the 20th century post-World War II Boston revival uh, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that took place. So there's, you know, part of this is, uh, I think there's always been a propensity uh, among the church to, uh, to sort of think we're going to manage some of these things and to, and to think that, um, we're going to manipulate and we're going to, you know, we're going to have a particular type of a revival and it's going to lead to a, to a type of political outcome. And, hmm. and the reality is that um, we, we believe in God's economy. We believe that God works in his measure and his time. And we don't need, you know, um, massive explosive events to see people's lives and hearts changed. Uh, and so I think history can point to that. You can learn some lessons as you look back, whether it's through politics and the church or whether it's through revivals. Yeah, you can learn a lot through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and it's a lot of church movements, denominations have started out of Boston, and I 
think it's exciting. Not that we're going to go back to like an, another awakening moment, but that there's something new that's happening and that we're really yeah. collaborating and partnering in that, in that renewal, that restoration of uh, this land here and our, in our neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely witnessing that as well. Um, to kind of to close, what are you most looking forward to this, this upcoming year? So this is, uh, for our campus, we, we really feel pretty cleared in terms of the COVID restrictions that we had. You know, last year, we had a pretty great year. We were open the last two years, but just had a lot of restrictions in terms of gathering spaces, wearing masks, doing regular testing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it, our kickoff to the year, our first chapel, our welcoming new students, um, it just felt different. And some of it's because we aren't as, you know, we've managed that. We've mitigated against spread. Uh, we're keeping an eye on the numbers, of course. We're doing everything that, that the CDC and the Mass State would ask us to do. But um, we're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. So that feels different. And that, that's mm-hmm. the, kind of the first practical thing we see. But it really just opens up opportunities for us to kind of restore some traditions on campus. It's not even as much as saying, let's go back to those. Because you've got this life cycle where... You know, when seniors were here their first year in the spring, they went home, mm-hmm. you know, and then our juniors and sophomores had these abbreviated years where they couldn't do some of the things that mm-hmm. we are, are usually doing. So uh, mm-hmm. we're essentially resetting and restoring some of our campus traditions. Yeah. Yeah. And even just even at the, the micro level, it's not just about the big events, but just um, seeing students gather together without you know, fear that there's going to be spread, without uh, some challenges with that. Uh, it's been really good, a good start to the year. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. excited for that. And uh, the other thing I just mentioned along with that, you, you kind of alluded to it, but there's this real rich sense uh, that, that I saw last year of students in prayer, students mm-hmm. fasting mm-hmm. regularly, students really seeking to see some some pretty miraculous things happen in the lives of our, our people here on this campus. Um, and we're starting to see, you know, how that that prayer is spreading, and how people are really excited about that. And so, um, I'm so encouraged. It's such a great community, great place to be, uh, and uh, and I just you mm-hmm. know have been so impressed by the students and how they mm-hmm. want to learn and grow. So mm-hmm. excited for the year. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, there's certainly a remnant here in in the North Shore and in New England, and exciting to see um, to see to see us grow and. Um, yeah, to continue to, to be faithful in what God is calling us to. Um, so, well, thanks so much, uh, President Mike Hammond, for, for joining me, the guys like us here. I could I have plenty of questions, but um, would encourage folks to, to visit gordon.edu to learn a little bit more. And um, if you're interested in applying or, or just peeking around and seeing what uh, Gordon is up to, I would encourage Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Tyler. Thank you.